Let's uh, open our Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. Let's get back to the book of Colossians. It's been a little while. Um, some unforeseen circumstances that happen and just life, you know. Not that we've been away from the Bible, though, right? It's just been God's been putting different things in our hearts and lives. But uh, we're back in the book of Colossians again. Let's, uh, let's uh, just a little bit of review, verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, absolutely essential. We see the word of God, the word of Christ dwelling in us richly, absolutely essential. And then the third one, whatever we do, it's kind of one of these all-inclusive uh, overarching themes of life. And Paul says it here and we find it in other places, whatever we do, whether, we, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can what we do, how we live, the things we say, the things we, places we go, can we do that in the name of the Lord Jesus? That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? How much does that include? Everything. Everything, yeah. Whatever you do. It's not, oh, whatever. It's whatever you do. Let it be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not just at church, but everywhere. Not just at church, we come and we know the right words. We can, you know, we do it and then we can pray, we can sing, all the stuff. But when, we, when we're out there in the world and, and we're out amongst people that don't know about Jesus, can they say there's something different about us? Now, this leads, if you'll notice, to the very next verse, it leads right into marriage and the home. Look at verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. We're going to look at every one of those categories. Today, we're going to look at the wives. Next week, the husbands. Make sure you wives bring your husbands next week. Absolutely essential, important. Make sure your husbands bring your wives today. Oh, I guess they're already here. We, my wife is going to help me out, just to give you a little bit of warning. My wife's going to help me out in a few minutes. But we have been married coming up June 17th, 35 years. So we've learned a few things. We're still learning. We're still learning. We still have a ways to go. And, and, and so basically what we want to do today is look at what the Bible says. But let me read to you what somebody wrote. It's tragic to realize that in the church of Christ, there are constant marital difficulties. Christian mates ought to be among the happiest of people on the face of the planet. The closer husbands and wives walk with Christ, the easier their lives together will become. But show me a husband and wife who are unfaithful to the bridegroom Jesus, and I will show you a couple in deep trouble. Once a housewife asked her husband if he minded asking, escorting her out to the garbage can, and he asked why she would make such a silly request. And she replied, 
I just want to be able to tell the neighbors that we go out together once in a while. <laughs> Too many mates fritter their lives away and burden others by supposing they have insurmountable problems within their marriages. But Paul reminds us, and then this writer quotes these verses here, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The Word of God. Someone else wrote this, Adam and Eve, they had the world's only perfect marriage. Adam and Eve. She couldn't talk about the man she might have married, and he couldn't complain that his mother was a better cook. <laughs> See, we aren't quite so lucky. John Corson, though, he said, he said this about marriage. He said, the Bible keeps its teaching on marriage very simple. I like simple. He said, the real issue is not knowing what to do, it's doing what we know. And that is so true. It's not knowing what to do, it's so simple. It's spelled out very clearly, very simply. It's doing what we know. It's not knowing what to do, it's doing what we know. Putting legs to it. Actually making it happen. And I think that really the, the secret is really to do it God's way. To listen to what God's word says. To know those simple passages we're going to read simply through the passages that apply. Share about them and, and see, you know, you know we, we need to know where they are. And, and, and ask God, well, how do I put this into practice in my own marriage, in my own life? I want to share with you something, though. I have a theory, and I've shared this with a couple of you. I have a theory, and the, and the theory is this, is that God points out things that we have trouble with as human beings. Do you know what I'm saying? God has, in His Word, He kind of points to things that we have trouble with. For example, fear. We as human beings have trouble with fear. Is it, is it not true? If you, if you do a study through your concordance or whatever, you find that, that you know, the verses that talk about do not fear, do not, do not fear. It's like hundreds. How about anger? The Bible talks about anger. Why? Because we have a problem with anger. Many, many other things the Bible talks to us about. Discouragement. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so, so these passages here, I, I want to, you know, again, this is my theory, that, that God points out things that, that we might particularly have trouble with. For example, husbands. He says, husbands, what? Love your wives. Why does he say that? Why does he have to point that out? It's because husbands are very selfish, Men are very selfish, very self-centered, and they're not always in that place where they're loving their wives. Wives, I have noticed, wives, wives don't need to be told to love their husbands. They already do. They already do. They don't need to be told. You don't, you're not going to find that anywhere except, you know, the general thing where we all need to love one another. So where are you going with this? You're thinking, well... Wives submit to your husbands. I think it's, I think it's a, a specific, very particular here. The, women are very capable. Women are very, maybe even, dare I use the word independent at times, or we can be, right? The other half of that is, though, this, that husbands don't have to be told to submit their, to their wives because they already do. And why do you say that? How can you possibly say that? 
Because of two simple words that we have been taught very well. What are they? Exactly. You see, I have thought a lot about this subject. The parallel passage in Ephesians, which we're going to get to in a minute, starts out with mutual submission where it says, submit to one another out of reverence or in the fear of Christ. Submit to one another is is what it says before the next verse talks about the wives submitting to their husband. So let's look at the verses and, and, uh, and see what they say, and then Paul is going to share in just a few minutes. Chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now this word submit, you know what, I, I, it's just gotten a bad rap through the years. And I don't care what the rest of the world says. It's a biblical word. And if we just kind of, you know, well, the world is saying this and saying that, well, you know, we can't use the word. Well, if you look in your, again, in your concordance for the word submit and submission, you're going to find that word all over the place, primarily to who? To God. The Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. If we don't know what that means, if we don't know how to do it, Men and women, we are going to be, we're going to be in trouble. We are going to be in trouble. I think one of, one of the, as we've studied it and talked with many couples about it, premarital counseling, I think an easy definition to remember is to yield. The NIV study Bible says to yield one's rights, to yield. And so the, the uh, admonition here is to wives submit to your husbands and, and most of the versions say wives submit to your own husbands. And I think that that is uh, correct. To your own husbands. It doesn't say, you know, wives. Uh, it, it says wives. It doesn't say women submit to every male. It says wives submit to your own husbands. So there's something very special about this particular relationship that doesn't necessarily apply to all the rest of life, you see. Let me tell you what David Guzik says. He says, The Bible never commands nor recommends a general submission of women unto men. It's commanded only in the spheres of the home and in the church. God does not command that men have exclusive authority in the areas of politics, business, education, and so on. Do you understand what he's saying there, what we're making a point about here? There's something special in the marriage relationship. And again, it's very simple. It's very clear. The wives need to yield to their husbands. We're going to talk more about this. But these are the instructions that God has given. He says it's fitting in the Lord. This is, is part of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, is to work in our relationships. Let's turn back now to Ephesians chapter 5. To the parallel passage, Paul gives us a, li a, a little bit more in this verse, in these verses, Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, now some of you are making mean faces at me. I can see that already. 
But I didn't come up with this stuff, right? I didn't make this up. This is what the Bible clearly says. So we need to grapple with God about these issues. There's a structure. There's a structure that God has set up within a marriage relationship. We see this structure all around us. Structures are essential. If there's no structures at all, what are you going to have? You're going to have chaos. There's absolutely a need for structure. You look at it in work. You have someone who you report to. You have somebody who's called a boss or a manager or somebody who, you know, a supervisor of some kind. Uh, in, in school, there are there's structures that are set up so that things will function in government and military. And, and I want to say to you today, this has nothing to do whatsoever with inequality. Nothing to do with inequality. It doesn't mean that, you know, one is better, is more important than the other. It's just simple a structure of function. Men and women, I think the Bible makes very, very clear, are equal. Men and women are equal. We're all, we're all the same in the sight of God. So for a man to say, you know, submit woman because he thinks he's better than her, he's completely off base and... and and part of this message is to men as well, is that, is that for you to even say something like that, you're out of line. One of the things we need to understand is we need to be responsible for ourselves. And I can't, I can't do what my wife needs to do, and she can't do what I need to do. I can't you know, force her to do what she needs to do in this relationship, and she, just as much as she can't force me to do what I'm supposed to do. I need to focus on what I need to focus on, which is what? Loving my wife as Christ loved the church. We're going to get to that next week. I happen to believe, and not just because I'm a man, that it's actually the harder one of the two because of the example that Jesus set. When you read other passages about, about this equality, though I want to point one thing out to you, it's just as, the, as God the Father and God the Son are equal, are they not? They're fully God. Jesus was fully God, fully man. They're equal. The Father and Son and Holy Spirit are eternally equal. Yet there is a relationship between them uh, that, that the Son is under the Father. Is that not true? You can read about it. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 15. One thing I also want to point out here, though, too, is that, that the word that's used here to submit is not the word obey. As we saw back in Colossians chapter 3, down, uh, actually, uh, I don't know what the verse was, but in Colossians 3 where it's called, children, obey your parents. It's not the same word. But notice he says here in, in Ephesians 5.22, as to the Lord. There's something about this relationship, there's something about this that it's as, it's, it's as an act of submission to the Lord. It's a, it really is a picture of one's relationship to the Lord. If you can't, if you can't yield in, a, in your own marriage relationship, it's going to be very difficult to yield in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, you know, the Bible says there that they should submit to their wives in everything. One thing I, I, do, I also want to point out to you, there's something that, that I call the principle of higher authority. That means that if there's someone who's a higher authority, you need to follow the higher authority. Is that right? Do you, you know what I mean? 
that, that if your husband is asking you to do something that is against God's word and against God's ways, you have to follow who? We see it in the book of Acts where, you know, they said, you can't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And, they, and, and what did they say? You know, whether we follow you or follow God, you know, you think about that, but we're going to follow what God says. And God says we need to do it. It doesn't matter. You're the authority over us in a, you know, in a political sense. There's one who is higher in authority, and we need to follow what he has to say. How about look at verse 33 there, Ephesians chapter 5. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I think, and I really believe this, that I think the husband needs to know that she's behind him, and this is part of the relationship. I think, I think that wives can fight against their husbands, they can tear them down, they can not believe in them, or they can yield and go along with them and see what God does. Will their every decision be right? No, definitely not. But they'll learn if you give them a chance. I'm still learning. I, you know, I, I try to make the right, best decisions I can, you know, but, but I need to have a chance. David Guzik, again, he says this. He's quoting. He says, I'll submit to my husband when I agree with him. I'll submit to him when he makes the right decisions and carries them out the right way. And when he makes a wrong decision, he isn't in the Lord, so I shouldn't submit to him then. It isn't fitting to do so. Simply put, he says, that is not submission at all. Except for those who are just plain cantankerous and argumentative, everyone submits to others when they are in agreement. It's only when there is a disagreement that submission is tested. That's when the, you know, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. When you don't really think... I'm not so sure he's doing, he's got this one just right. Now, again, if it's clearly biblically wrong, you have to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can quote me on that one. But if it's just, you know, some, some way you're looking at it differently, see what God will do. Now, in all of this, and I, and I, and I again, I believe this very strongly, too, that, that in all of this, in these verses here, it points to the responsibility and the accountability of the husband. Let me say that again, and I want you guys to hear this. It points to the responsibility and the accountability of the husband. In God's sight, the buck stops with him. The buck stops with me. And I am going to be held accountable. I am going to be held responsible. I have seen over and over instances of, of just plain abdication. You know what abdication means? When you abdicate, you give up the role that God has given you. And where the husband is just not being a part and, and the husband is showing no, absolutely no leadership in the home whatsoever, no spiritual leadership, in fact, there is nothing to submit to, and that is just a bigger tragedy. In fact, maybe even more so, because in the end, God is going to say, what did you do with the marriage and the relationship that I gave you? Guys, listen up. You and I are going to be held accountable. What are we going to do with this relationship and this responsibility that God has given to us? One more passage 
1 Peter chapter 3, so you know exactly where these are. You can read them, you know, read them secretly if you need to, so your spouse doesn't see you reading them. But really grapple with this with God. What's God telling me to do? Chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. So we have Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 5, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. You say, even to those who don't believe? Yes, that's what it says here. I didn't make this up. That is what it says right here. Does it not? Did you just read that with me? It's a witness. God is going to reach them by, by the way that you are, are responding in this relationship. He goes on to say there, Peter, when they see the purity, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Purity, reverence, inner beauty, putting your hope in God. You know, it's very clear that you should not put your hope in your husband, I think. It's very clear. I can't put my hope in my wife. I need to put my hope where it belongs in God. That's where my hope needs to lie. Do what is right. Not what the world says is right, though. What the Bible says is right. And do not give way to fear. Now, Paula, I've asked her because, you know, I want, I want you to hear a woman's uh, viewpoint about this. She is my own wife, my one and only wife. And um, again, 34, almost 35 years, we, we're, we're still learning, we're still growing. And, and um, you know, I tell her she needs to submit just about every day. Um, that's why I have so much makeup on, because I'm covering those black eyes that I've got. Just kidding. <laughs> not a good idea. Just kidding. Do not quote me on that. Actually, I want to say that I consider uh, um, I consider my wife to be a Proverbs 31 woman. I really do. And you can read that. And I, I just see, I see it. Or she, she works hard. She works way harder than I do. And uh, so I appreciate her. And so let's hear what she has to say. Maybe she's going to just shoot down everything I've just said. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm going to love her anyways. This ain't going to work. We've got to move this over a little bit. 
so much stuff. <laughs> I'm a nervous wreck. I'm not, I don't know why, but because not, I, it's more of this uh, fear of Angelina, fear of Barbara, fear of God. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you guys. Um, this is a uh, uh, <clears throat> this is a hard subject um, because we feel very strongly about this. This is something very um, that we feel very strongly about because we've so many times had to pick up the pieces, and because of so many marriages that we've seen completely fall apart and be destroyed because people just simply wouldn't live according to the word. Um, so in Ephesians, you know, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I thought we were in Ephesians. <laughs> but in Ephesians, it's, you know, through the book of Ephesians, it starts it start you know, making this, you know, kind of showing us who we are in Christ, our position in Christ, that we've been adopted into his family, that we belong to him. Um, we read about the prayers that, you know, Paul has for us that, you know, we're going to grow in our love and our knowledge of him and, and of his grace. And, and he goes on and he starts and he begins to tell us then because of all of that, because of all of those things that we know, how we should live, you know, and he tells us to, um, to walk in unity, to walk in love, to walk in the light, um, to not grieve the Holy Spirit. And in the ways that we would grieve the Holy Spirit is in allowing um, things to keep, stay there that um, are allowing darkness into our relationship with him. Um, he tells us to walk in wisdom. And in the end of, uh, in verse 21, he says, um, submit to one another in the fear of God. He says to submit to one another in the fear of God. So in this subject about fear, that's, I, I need to start there. Because submitting to one another out of the fear of God um, kind of puts the parameters around what that should look like. Because if, I am a, if I'm walking in the fear of God in my life, which is a subject that in today's day and age, Barbara and I talk about this all the time, doesn't get talked about enough. Our, our culture, our world has lost the understanding of what the fear of God is and what that means. But... But walking in that fear of God, knowing that he sees my every move, he's here, he knows my every thought, he knows the attitudes of my heart, um, that I'm walking in the fear of him because I, I long to please him. I, wanted, I want to reflect him. I want to reverence him. So if I'm walking in the fear of God it, and I'm walking in that understanding, it sort of puts a principle around my life. It sort of makes my decisions for me, really. Makes my decisions for me. So I want to start there. I, I want to read this thing that, about submission that I wrote down because um, in First Peter, again, Peter lays out this whole thing about how we're supposed to live. This is, you know, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in our job, in our workplace, um, in our relationships, and and this this I liked this definition of sub, of submission in this thing that I read. It says, in the same manner as the citizens are to relate to their government leaders and employees to their employers, so wives are to relate to their husbands. 
Wives are commanded, this is kind of an oxymoron when you think about it, wives are commanded to willingly place themselves under the guidance and control of their husbands, living in such a way, conducting themselves in such a way that their husbands will be challenged to live in obedience and submission to Christ. And I liked that quote that he read by David Guzik, and I think that um, Annie and I were talking about this morning, and, and, um, and this is true. Wives are, you know, we're, we're supposed to be a reflection, separate from me being a wife and a husband, but as us, you know, as me being a child of God, I'm a reflection of him. I'm supposed to walk my life as being a reflection of him. Your wife is a reflection of you. So, and in our children, think about this as it's working down the line, our children are a reflection of us. We see that all the time, right? We look at our kids and we're like, oh. Sometimes you're, you see yourself, you, all of a sudden out, out of your mouth comes your mother, Right? It's frightening. Oh, you should worry. Um, <laughs> you should worry. Um, but your wives are a reflection of you. As you're reflecting Christ into your home, if you're reflecting Christ into your home, she's going to reflect that back, right? So moving on then, um, in this idea of, and we're going to be, let's, let's just go straight to um, First Peter. Because that's where it went, this verse about fear is, so I'm just going to start. I'm just, I'm just going to talk from there. Um, fear. In this verse, it says, in these verses, it says, let me get to the right place. Wives, and I'm reading out of the New King, uh, yeah, the New King James, so it might be worded a little bit differently. Wives, likewise, likewise to Jesus, who um, entrusted his self to the shepherd of his soul, the overseer of his soul. Likewise, in chapter 2, I'm talking about Jesus, who um, surrendered himself to the overseer of his soul. Likewise, be submissive. Surrender yourself to the overseer in your home. That even if some do not obey the word, they, uh, they without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Right? So this is talking about now being accompanied by fear. This is talking about the fear of God. This is about allowing the fear of God to rule in your heart so that when they see your behavior, you're, re- you're being in a reflection of God then. You're being a reflection of God. You're, you're living your life in such a way that it's going to challenge him. Now, I know this is written to unbelieving husbands, but if I was to ask the wives in this room, how many of you are married to Christian husbands that don't oftentimes live in obedience to the word? Don't raise your hands. There are times when our husbands will not live in obedience to the word. Because they're just a bag bone sinners, you know? They're just dirt. And they are not always going to live in obedience to the word. But what does that mean? Does that mean that I, if he's not living in obedience to the word, that I should be not living in obedience to the word? No. 
that I'm called to live in obedience to the word. I don't care what he's doing. If he's not in, but I'll get to this. But um, if he's just, you know, being an old crank and difficult to live with and, you know, uh, spending his whole life in front of the TV set, not really participating in the family, you still need to live in obedience to the word. You're responsible for your part. Because as you're doing that, not out of self-righteousness, I will say, not that you think that you're spiritually above him or better than him, because you will derail your marriage so fast if you have that kind of an attitude, I can't even tell you. Not that you are spiritually above him in any way. You're sinners both saved by grace, both heirs together. Um... So have that fear of the Lord. You, you have that fear of the Lord. You're walking in that fear of the Lord. You're living according to the fear of the Lord. You're accompanied by fear, accompanied by a reverence for God. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. That's talking about your attitudes. We can be the queen of attitudes. If I, asked your, if I asked the men to think about the attitudes that you display at home, I'm sure some things would be jumping into their minds right now as we're standing here. What, you know, the attitude of my heart is what comes out, right? The attitude of my heart is what comes out of my mouth. So if I'm always belittling my husband or nagging my husband or tearing him down or pointing out at every turn everything that he does wrong or quoting scripture at him all day long or hiding scripture in the bathroom or under his pillowcase or in his lunchbox, in all those ways, you're tearing him down. You're tearing him down repeatedly over and over and over again. Eventually, he won't be, he won't even bother trying anymore. You can beat a man down to the point that he will stop trying by your mouth and by the way that you behave. So, saying with that incorruptible beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit, which is very what? Precious in the sight of God. In your marriage, You are living it before who? Before God. With that reverence for God, with that fear of God, it's very precious in the sight of God. He sees you. He knows who you're married to. He knows the problems that you have. He's looking into your marriage. He knows the struggles that you face. He knows your hurt, your pain, your confusion, your your loss. He knows the things you've given up to be married to this man. He knows. He knows every single thing about you. But he also knows the attitudes of your heart. There's nothing hidden from him. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So to the degree that you won't submit 
it is to that same degree that you hinder growth in your marriage. You, it hinders unity. It hinders light. It hinders love. It hinders wisdom. It hinders the power of God in your marriage to the degree that you won't submit. But to the degree that you do submit, to the degree that you do surrender to the Lord and you um, just remember that it's first to the Lord that you're surrendering to, great things can happen. Great things can happen. But first of all, you have to overcome what? Fear. Um, it seems like, oh, here they are. So what are some of the things that women fear? Listen up, boys, because this could be an eye-opening thing for you. What are some of the things that women fear? Quick, at least call me out a couple of things, and then I'll tell you the rest. What are some of the things that women fear about submission? What would you say? Rejection, pain, humiliation, and control. What, what did you say? Control. Come on. Be brave. Okay, I'll just say it then. <clears throat> they, conf- they fear that you're going to... Um, there will be no... There's no security if, with you because you're going to spend all the money on your stuff. Right? Because you don't really love them, so you're spending all the money on you. On you, what what she wants isn't important, but what you want is really important. So where does the money go? You're not giving her any sense of security. She fears failure. She feel she fears success. That you, that you'll be so that she becomes second to the thing that you chase after. That she's not the most important thing to you. That your dream. Your um, striving for success is more valuable than she is, which often happens. Um, She fears intimacy. She fears um, a loss of reputation because of the things that you do, the mistakes that you make. Um, She fears life. She fears loss. there's so many things. If these women in this room were being honest or brave enough to spit it out, um, there's so many things. And so one of my questions is, is um, you know, do you know what you fear? You know, we, we did this study, and the women's study was um, when a woman lets go of her fears, happens when a woman lets go of her fears so in that study we had to really take a hard look at ourselves and see what the things were that we did fear what did we fear we all have fears that we bring into our marriage um, that come from you know wherever but then once we get into our marriage this thing happens you know when we get into our marriage and women women will do this and what he said about women we will take our heart and we will give it to you. We're entrusting our heart to you because 
That's what women do. I, when I came to the Lord and I, and I understood that he loved me, I gave him my heart. I, have, I entrusted my heart to him. And over time, the more I've learned to trust him, the more I give. The more I trust, the more I give. The more I trust, the more I give. But once we get married and, you know, I just i am going to love him forever. I was thinking about that song that we were singing, um, I am yours, I'm yours forever. We walk down the aisle together, and, and in the wife's heart, she's singing that to the man. I'm yours, I'm yours forever. I'm yours, I'm yours forever. For about two weeks. When the first thing happens that hurts my heart, and then the next thing happens that hurts my heart, and then the next thing happens that hurts my heart, and I start closing off my heart to you because I'm afraid that you're going to hurt my heart again. So that kind of just speaks to the fact that you really kind of need to know what your wife fears. You need to understand your wife. You need to live with your wife with understanding, which she'll talk about another time. But what did we know about Sarah? In First Peter, it's talking about using Sarah as an example, right? Did she have any reason to fear from what we know about Sarah? Was Abraham the, like, A1, number one, best husband that ever walked the planet? He got her in a lot of pro- he, he He, you know, made a lot of questionable decisions. He didn't always do everything right, most definitely. He set her up. He set her up. But yet she is also in, the, in um, the hall of faith as a woman that God was pleased with. He uses her as an example. Um, so there must have been in her heart the surrender to the Lord, the surrender to the ways of God. So my question about that was then, what did she know about Abraham? What did Sarah know about Abraham that would enable her to be able to be in that place of submission and obedience to him. That he had faith in God. That he had a relationship with God that was evident. He had an evident relationship with God. That God had his hand in Abraham's life. That there was an interaction between them, between Abraham and between Sarah. He saw that. She saw that. And so that right there is a big key because in a woman submitting, what are we as women looking for? We're looking for somebody to submit to, like he said. I entrusted my heart to the Lord. I trust him. I know he loves me. I know he's watching out for me. I know he cares about me. I know he knows my every need. God has made the husband as the overseer in the home. And he wants me to entrust my heart and my life to him. And so a woman is looking for a reason to trust you. Um, Does she know about you what Sarah knew about Abraham? Despite that, women, we still need to submit. To our husbands. We still need to, it's a yielding over. It's not just, you know, 
being walked on, but it's just allowing him to lead, allowing him to grow into becoming the leader. Now, Abraham had to grow into that, right? He grew up in his knowledge of God. When he left there, he didn't know him. He grew up in his knowledge of God, and he had to grow up into that place of leadership. A lot of the marriages that we have seen fall apart, I hate to say this, is because of the women. You know, a couple weeks ago I shared that the women had the power to destroy the, destroy the ministry. But a lot of the marriages that I've seen fall apart at the root of it, way back when, even though the man might have made a huge mistake in that marriage, was because of the woman, because she allowed her fears to control her conduct. She allowed her fears to control her emotions. And the husbands then started to live in like how he was saying, I can't remember the quote, but how many, you know, you, you've got how he said about the women, uh, the men already submitting and saying, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. How many men have come to me and said, I don't know what she's, how she's going to react. I don't know what she's going to do. I don't know what she's going to say. Her react, your reactions become then. Our emotions become the thing that our husbands are kind of imprisoned by. They can't lead us because we're so emotional that they have to, all they have to do is keep dealing with our emotions and our reactions. So then we get in the way. We totally get in the way because we will not allow them to become and grow into leaders. We have to allow them to become and grow into leaders. If we get in the way of that, then we're hindering the marriage. We're hindering him. Um, I'm like totally out of time and over. So... All the things I still have left to say to you, I'm not going to say. Ask me about it later, but I want to read something to you. <sighs> Do you spend all your energy, your time and your energy, in trying to pull the one, pull him to your side, trying to get him on your team instead of looking at what he sees? Together you are stronger, more effective, covered by each other's strengths, working with vision and purpose. God's plans for you as a person are not separate from his plans for you as a couple. You may do different things, but still be united in purpose. As a woman, if your husband has to spend all of his energy trying to convince you to walk with him, he will eventually give up or go on without you. You hinder the vision by not honoring your husband and disregarding God's order. Um, and I just want to close with these verses here from Isaiah 41. I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners. I called you and I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you, I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear, I will help you.
I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Oh man, she went way over. I'm going to have to speak to her about that. You know, uh, the question really, in, 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 the, in the long run, the bottom line is, are we going to do it, my, am I going to do it my way or am I going to do it God's way? And that's what we have to each ask ourselves. And uh, next week, I promise you husbands, you wives better make sure they're here because they're going to come up with an excuse, you know, golf. The weather's nice, you know, we got to go here, we got to do this. I'm not feeling, I got a little sore throat. But again, this uh, admonition to love your wives like Christ loved the church, that's pretty big. It's pretty big. Come for the potluck. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? <clears throat> Father God in heaven, we thank you for this day, but we thank you for your spirit. And we thank you for your word that gives us direction. We are not directionless, we are not... Uh, just like a boat on the uh, sea without any kind of rudder, but your, your word shows us the way. And this is the way, walk in it, you tell us over and over again. And so we thank you for your word, and we know that it's simple, but we know, also know it's not easy. So I pray that you'd help us, husbands and wives, to be what you call us to be, to do what you call us to do, to do what we already know. And Father, I pray for the marriages in this room and the, and the Christian marriages, especially in our, in our country, Lord, that are just faltering and just going their own way. I pray that you would uh, bring us to that place of, of following your will and your way and, and repenting of our own selfish attitudes. God, I, I, uh, I just pray for this church, Lord, that you would, again, build strong marriages here. And help us to, to encourage one another, to uh, help one another in this path. I pray too, Lord, for just a, this uh, understanding of following after Jesus Christ with all of our hearts and souls and minds. And, and again, as we pray right now, I want to give an opportunity for, for each one of us to make some kind of response to Jesus. Whether it's something you heard today or, 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 or whether it's just a... Uh, an idea that you just want to get right with Jesus and you need to make a response right here and right now. I want to give a minute to, to do that because I, I, I just think we need to take those times and opportunities and not just walk away and, and forget what we heard. And so if that's you in one way or another, you have something God has been putting into your mind and heart this morning and you need to say yes to him, let's just take a moment and say yes in your own heart before God. And don't hold back because he sees and knows. And maybe you need to say yes to him in your marriage. That you're really hurting in it. You need to say yes to him in, in one way or another in your marriage. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus and you need to say yes to him today. Don't leave this place right now. Say yes to him. That's all you need to do. Trust him. Say yes. Father God, you see our hearts. You know each one of us. Hear our cry, Lord. Hear our prayers. Lead us to the rock that's higher than I. In Jesus' name, amen.